on behalf of the Transportation Task Force and the Environmental Access Task Force, um, I chair the first and Becky Davidson chairs the second. Welcome to the fourth of our four working sessions as part of 2020's ACB Transportation Forum to Mobility and Beyond. And our first day on Sunday, if you miss it, was educational. Now we are gathering information in these four se sessions. We will wrap everything up tomorrow. So today what we're doing for the fourth and final and fantastic-ish session today is if, if we could design paratransit from the ground up, what would it look like? How would reservations work? What about shared rides, vehicles, technology, etc.? And we are truly fortunate to have as our presenter today, Mr. Ron Brooks, who knows of where he will be speaking. He's the Vice President of Transit Market Development at American Logistics, who, by the way, is also one of our convention speakers. Um, he is from Phoenix, Arizona. As I said, we're collecting information and Becky Davidson will be taking notes. And we do have a lot of documents up on the ACB convention website in downloadable documents. And some of those are Ron's. And I'm just going to give it to Ron right now and I'll let you know when we're halfway done and then yep. come in again near the end. Thank Perfect. you, Ron. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us today. I'm really excited about this conversation. And uh, first, just to acknowledge Sheila and her excellent work uh, as the chair of the Transportation Committee. Um, I held that position for a while. And um, I think Sheila is doing a phenomenal job to help ACB move in the direction uh, where we are trying to get to, which is to have a, um, a very coordinated um, advocacy platform around transportation um, that can really serve us as an organization to uh, get to a, a better place. Um, I want to also acknowledge our note taker, who is also the chair of the Environmental Access Committee, Becky Floyd Barnes-Davidson, for just you know, really being a, a voice of, of the other side of the conversation around of transportation, which is the infrastructure uh, that, that is necessary for transportation to work right. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate, Becky, that you are here uh, taking notes and, and helping me um, today. And, of course, we have Tyson Ernst, who's going to be doing some heavy duty as moderating. We are actually going to do something toward the end of this conversation, uh, which I'm not sure if anybody else has done yet, and I'm not sure if I will ever be invited to speak again, because I'm going to ask you guys to use the raise hand feature um, as a survey-taking tool so that we can actually get some quantified data toward the end of this workshop. So if you want to have your votes count, stay with us because they will. Um, and so thank you, Tyson, for uh, being a good sport. And um, it is the last uh, workshop of the day uh, other than all the other ones. So hopefully it won't be too bad. So uh, just by way of introduction, um, I am a 27-year veteran of the public transit industry um, I've worked for public agencies. I've worked for private contractors uh, who, who deliver public transportation services and paratransit. And my entire career has been in the space of accessible transit and public transit um, and, and paratransit. And 
Um, I've worked at agencies like BART in the Bay Area. Uh, I worked for the transit system in Palm Beach County, Florida uh, back in the late 90s. Um, I spent a number of years, I spent some time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a uh, little bit of time in Illinois. We've moved around a little bit. Been in, in uh, Phoenix here for the last 14 years. Uh, this is probably the place we'll stay for the next several years. But um, during that time, um, I've had the opportunity to work both in, uh, for the transit system here and also in the private sector. And my mission for all of that time, uh, because I'm also a person who's blind and a person who's been in ACB since I was a student in NABS back in the long gone days, um, transportation is personal. Um, I face the same challenges that all of us face. Um, and so my career goal, my career mission has been how do we make transportation better? And I joined American Logistics because American Logistics, our business is disrupting the current status quo of paratransit. That's what our company does. Um, we started in the healthcare sector, providing healthcare transportation uh, and specialized school transportation to kids who have special needs. We are now working on disrupting paratransit in the transportation industry in the public transit space. And and so our missions align. Um, and what I want to do is start by just talking about what, what we, at, where I work, call the traditional paratransit model. And it's, you know, there, when, trans, when you talk about transit, there's 600 and change transit agencies. Every single one is different. Um, every single one kind of does its own thing. Um, so there's no set rule. There's no exact carbon copy. Uh, from one transit system to the next, but there are some general rules. And I want to start by describing the general traditional paratransit system. I do have a handout. Um, it is on the, um, uh, the page, the ACB webpage, and there are some resources there. It is not nearly as legally precise or as thorough as what Chris Bell did. Um, so if you want legal definitions, um, he has got an amazing handout with detail that, I, that this mind does not have. Um, but, but what I've done here is I start with a definition of what is traditional paratransit. Um, I then define a lot of key terms. And then what I want to do is talk about, um, you know, what are, you know, what is the state of technology today, the state of the industry, if you will, what are the forces that are potential opportunities for disrupting the status quo? And what are the challenges to disrupting the status quo? Um, because there are definitely headwinds and tailwinds. Um, and then I want to kind of close with a conversation that includes voting, uh, because as my company and as I, as a person who is championing our efforts in the transit industry, seek to uh, essentially blow up the status quo, I'd like to know what the customers want, because at the end of the day, um, it is much easier for me and for our company to disrupt the industry when we're disrupting it in a way that the customers actually like, because all public decision, all transit decisions for the most part are public decisions made by public bodies. And it's also, it's very good if people who are the recipients of those services um, support the change because then they can speak for that change um, and help public officials make decisions that customers like. So to start with talking about the traditional model, so I'm going to define this, and, and just to some extent, this probably reflects paratransit in more than 90% of the systems across the country. Um, 
it is a, uh, it, first off, it's been around for decades. This technology was invented, this system was invented in the 70s, expanded under the Rehab Act in the 80s, um, and then it really expanded after the passage of the ADA in 1990, which required paratransit for people who could not, because of a disability uh, or disabling health condition, use independently use public transit. So typically, um, it is service that is provided by the transit agency or a contractor using, a, uh, using dedicated vehicles, meaning that the vehicles are owned by the agency or its contracted provider. Uh, they are typically vans or minibuses. Um, service is booked in advance, um, and it is shared ride service. Um, that, is, that is the typical model service that the drivers are typically wearing uniforms. They are typically employees of the agency or a contracted provider. Um, and, and it's pretty much that's the service that you get. Uh, it typically operates within you know, the areas where public transit operates. It typically operates during the hours that transit operates, sometimes a little bit more. Um, but generally, it's, it's in the areas and at the times when transit operates. Um, it's in some systems, you may see taxis used, uh, to supplement or, or in, in a very small handful, you might see some, some other things like there are a couple of places in the country that use Uber or Lyft. Uh, there are one or two places that use a company called Userve. So if you are in Nashville or Richmond, Virginia, or, uh, in the Phoenix metropolitan area, you've heard of Userve. That's, that's a, a kind of Uber-like company um, that also does some of this service. But that's the traditional model. Um, and that's the model. That model was invented in the 1970s and expanded in, you know, through, the, through the 90s. And it's been that way for 30 years. Um, so kind of moving on. So I, in the handout, and I won't go through this here, I give lots of definitions that just kind of goes through details of kind of how the service works. Um, I won't go through that here just for the sake of time, but um, yeah, I encourage you to take a look at that. Um, so, so the service, you know, we talked about the service model. So now what I want to talk about is the challenges that are facing the current model, because we're at a time when the current model um, has served the industry for 30 years, but things are changing and they're changing in ways that are making the status quo less appealing um, for certainly for customers, but also for the, for the agencies themselves. So these are some of the challenges that are facing the current model. First off, the service is expensive. Um, and, you know, vehicles, technology, drivers, fuel, insurance, um, these costs for the most part are rising and they are rising year by year. Um, the other thing that's happening that's driving up the cost of service is that demand is increasing. Um, there are more people using the service. They are living longer. Um, and so you have a double hit for most transit agencies. More trips, and the trips that are there are more expensive. So you know, these are facts that, that the industry is facing. And of course, right now, there's also constrained revenue, and I'll talk more about that in a second. So they don't have, they don't have much money, but the demand and the cost are both going up. Um, challenges from a customer standpoint, you know, the customers today are a lot different than the customers 30 years ago. Um, customers today know that there are apps that allow you to request a trip right now, 
and you know, in most cases it'll show up like within a few minutes. Um, customers know um, that, that you can get service relatively cheaply, that you don't have to share with other people, you don't have to book in advance, um, you don't have to um, have an uncertain trip length where your trip to work today is a half an hour, which means you got there an hour early and your trip tomorrow is a half an hour late because you shared with four people and you had no idea what to expect when you got up and, and got your coffee and went out the door. Um, customers now um, don't believe that it's necessary to go straight. To, that, that It's a problem that you don't have stops. Customers have lives. You know, we have kids that we have to drop off at daycare. We have, um, you know, a, a bank that we need to stop at on the way home. We have, we have errands just like everybody else has errands. And we know that in this day and age with the technology that is there today, there's no reason why we should have to live our lives in a system where you literally can't stop along the way to do things that everybody else does all the time, every day. Um, we have kids and we know that, and I do is because I'm a parent of teenagers now, that um, things happen last minute um, there was that project that's due tomorrow and there's a Walmart trip or a trip to Michael's that has to happen right now and paratransit doesn't accommodate that. So the traditional model, not only is it costly for agencies, but it's, but it's unsatisfactory for customers, much more so than it used to be. The other thing that's happening now, and this is a temporary change, but I believe it's temporary, we'll call it temporary to permanent. And that's the changes that COVID-19, the pandemic, is creating in our society. You know, we all know that the handshake is probably a thing of the past for the next few years at least. Um, and there are some, some truths about tr paratransit that are also uh, ch challenges that COVID-19 is creating. Uh, first off, um, most agencies in the wake of the pandemic, and I mean like the vast majority, uh, ended trip sharing. And they ended trip sharing because of safety considerations. But now they're looking at having to bring trip sharing back, not because things suddenly got safer, but because they're running out of money. Um, and, and neither customers nor drivers are entirely comfortable with the fact that trip sharing is coming back. Um, so that, and by the way, that makes the service even more expensive because now, you know, the trips were expensive before when rides are being shared. Now they're not. And so now they're super expensive. So all of these things are happening at once. And so that creates a need and an opportunity to say, are we really doing, is this really how we want to continue to operate paratransit service? So I want to talk about tailwinds and headwinds, and then we can kind of dive into some questions. So I want to start with tailwinds. So tailwinds, these are things that are opportunities that are for change. These are the things that are making change now more of an opportunity than they used to be. I've, I've told you why we don't like the current model. Here's why we think that it's time to, that these, this is a good time to have a conversation about changing the model. First, um, the growing pain associated with the status quo. You know, we all know as people, when something hurts, at some point you say, oh, I think I'm going to stop doing that because the pain is getting to the point where it really, really hurts. Um, so the fact that the costs are rising, that customers are not happy, and that the service is kind of not feeling super safe, 
those are all very good reasons to kind of go, hey, maybe this is a time to think about making some changes. The second thing that's happening, and this was happening before the pandemic, um, and it's been happening for a while, is that technology is changing. Um, first off, you know, we know um, that highly accurate and stable geographic information systems exist, um, and those systems make it possible for us to do a much better job at matching uh, drivers to vehicle, drivers to people, um, for getting uh, your very pinpoint scheduling and dispatch where um, we didn't have before. Um, mobile technology for GPS tracking and communication. Um, you, you, there is a, um, when we started seeing mobile technology enter the market, of course, a lot of folks with disabilities were late adopters because of cost and because of just the learning curve and accessibility. Um, but, and I don't know if we've done a survey, and I'd love for the ACB to do a survey of the percentage of people in our membership who have smartphones, or at least phones with GPS tracking. Um, and I bet that it is in the high majority percentages, at least in the 70s, and I bet higher. Um, and, that makes, and that makes it possible to do a lot of things, because these little, these little phones that we carry, they are computers and they are GPS tracking devices. Um, Customer service, uh, customer facing service, um, you know, payment and service management tools. Um, you know, these things have come very slowly to paratransit, but I mean, every app that you use um, that involves buying a service, whether it's Uber Eats or Postmates or Uber or Lyft or DoorDash, every one of them has, you know, they have uneven accessibility, but they all have customer facing technology that can make it possible to manage service. Um, and we're seeing those same technologies coming into the transportation industry. Um, they're coming into the traditional paratransit system slowly, uh, but they are coming into other parts of the transportation system much more quickly um, because they, are, they save money for the people who are running the services and they create convenience and they create a customer preference, uh, which in a, in a business environment is an advantage. Another thing, another force uh, for uh, tailwind, uh, another tailwind, if you will, um, is the fact that um, customers are using yeah, mobile devices more and also the expansion of TNCs and flexible fleets. TNCs, transportation network companies, that's your Ubers, your Lyfts. Um, there are others uh, in addition to those. Um, you know, these, these companies are coming, they're coming, becoming increasing players. Um, now, I want to tell you, they are not the um, only game in town. They actually have challenges right now. Uber and Lyft are actually um, down. Uh, and our company, we build them into provider networks, and they are actually um, doing a smaller percentage of trips than they were because of, you know, they're facing their own kind of corona uh, virus pandemic challenges. But you know, these services, whether provided by these companies or their successors, are here to stay. Um, so, you know, they, and they are changing the game. Uh, they're basically replacing taxis. Um, and the other thing that's happening, and we haven't talked about it much, is the, is the coming advent of autonomous vehicles. Um, autonomous vehicles have been, um, they were making tremendous progress uh, through January. Um, the Department of Transportation was issuing regulations to bring them into the market um, and, and to look at how do we bring them into the market, how do we regulate them, 
you know, how do we deal with uh, accessibility? How do we deal with insurance? And then the pandemic hit, and a lot of the, the momentum for this stuff has kind of slowed down because of the pandemic, um, but they are still coming. And there's no question it's a matter of when, not a matter of if. And everyone who um, is in this space, and I include myself in this space, believes that these vehicles offer the opportunity to create an accessible platform from the ground up. Um, ACB, among others, has been working on uh, with manufacturers. Um, I personally believe the technology will hit the marketplace at, as an accessible technology. And I know some people are you know, hesitant to use them, but they're coming. Um, there's no question that they're coming and they are an opportunity, they create an opportunity for change. So tailwinds, uh, I'm sorry, headwinds. So those are the things that are promoting change. These are the things that, you know, they're, they are making this a good time for change, but they are not, there are other things that are making it challenging. And these are the things where we as an organization are going to have to lean in and push if we want to see change. Um, and they're not surprising. So um, the first one is that ADA and transit regulations favor the status quo. These laws were written uh, at a time when you know, the traditional model was the only way to do service. Um, the ADA itself is pretty prescriptive. Um, it describes paratransit as origin to destination shared ride service. Doesn't mean it's required to be, but that's how the law defines it. And so transit agencies have gotten used to the fact that that is the way paratransit should be delivered. Um, and so the law itself and the regulatory guidance itself becomes, it's that old discussion of the requirement in the law becomes, essentially the floor becomes the ceiling. You know, the ADA basically says you have to do these things and, and the ADA characterized those as minimum requirements and the industry over time began to characterize those as maximum requirements. Um, and so we are now constrained by what the law says, even though the law never said that was all you could do. It just said that's what you have to do. Um, so, so that's one of the challenges that we're dealing with. Another challenge is formula-based transit funding. And this is in the weeds a little bit, but it is a real thing. Um, agencies, the, the federal law defines what is public transit. It defines public transit as shared ride service. And so agencies like the one where I used to work that were trying to be creative and on the cutting edge, we didn't get to count the trips that are in those creative and cutting edge systems toward the number of trips that drive the formula-based funding that came to our agency. So there is a built-in financial incentive for agencies to be traditional. And that's a problem. And it's a problem that we need to resolve um, within the transportation legislation because it's holding back progress. Um, language in the new transit spending bill, um, which has just been passed by, Cong by the House, it is being drafted in the Senate, um, but there's language in that bill on the House side that literally penalizes transit agencies um, for doing anything that might reduce employment for transit, for current transit workers. And you know, I have no personal bias for taking jobs from people, but anytime you uh, write legislation that literally says you can't innovate if it costs someone their job, 
means that we can't innovate because a lot of these technologies, especially autonomous technology or the use of Uber and Lyft have implications for the workforce and it, may, and it penalizes transit agencies for doing those things. Um, and I think the last one is cultural. Um, so the transit industry is, is, like many, is led by people who rose through the ranks. They were trained in, in, they were trained in the status quo. They were trained in the system that we have now. Um, they, we don't, unlike the kind of the tech sector, the culture within transportation is to promote from within. So most of the people leading transit agencies and leading the larger uh, providers in the industry were raised in the industry doing what the industry does today. So they are not innovative in their thinking. They have not, um, you know, kind of approached this from an innovative, disruptive direction. They identify with what we have today. So it is difficult sometimes to get agencies led by people who are pretty conservative um, to take risk and to try things that they're not, that they're not themselves familiar with. So some agencies um, are beginning to, um, so here's what's happening now. Um, some agencies are beginning to experiment. So, I mean, even with all of those things going on, there are things happening. Um, best examples, there are agencies uh, that are experimenting with on-demand alternatives to paratransit. Um, approaches where customers can opt to use services that don't meet all of the traditional ADA requirements. Um, the best set three or four examples I can think of are uh, Boston, uh, which has been doing it since 2016, um, uh, Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority in the St. Petersburg, Florida area. Uh, they have been doing it uh, almost as long. Uh, Valley Metro, where I used to work in Phoenix, um, has been doing it as well. Um, Denver, yeah, there are some others, but so there are some, some pilots that are being done. Um, but again, they are being done. Um, they are, they are the vast minority. They are a small percentage of the overall service being provided. Um, so, and again, we talked about COVID-19 as an opportunity. So there are definitely opportunities, um, to, uh, create some change. So, so what I'd like to do now is talk about is I want to shift gears. So I've given you a ton of information. Before I start asking you questions, I'd like to just pause for a second and ask if anybody has questions about what has been presented so far. We have some raised hands already. Okay. Let's take three or four questions and then I want to jump to the next. So let's take How four. Many? Four? Let's okay, that's, four. that's what's, that's, uh, we'll take the first four. All, All right. right. So let's see here. We have, I believe it's Roseanne. You should see a cue to talk. Roseanne, you should see a prompt to unlock on un you. Okay, why don't we go to the next, and then if Roseanne can That's get it. Okay, I'm here. Oh, can you she, hear me? There she is. Yes. Yay. Um, it worked. Um, yeah, I have a really a logistical question, actually. Mm -hmm. sure. um, we, I live here in New York, uh, Long mm -hmm. Island, and mm -hmm. our paratransit system is run by TransDev. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the one, the big argument and the big fight, I'm also on the ACE, on the accessible transit, paratransit board as well. But one of the big things that we've been fighting for for a long time is that the ADA requires that you be one quarter of a mile from a fixed route bus. And mm -hmm. it's a very short distance, really. So there are like hundreds, if not thousands of people that do not qualify for paratransit where they have, you know, they have a disability and can't get anywhere. Is there any hope to get to work for ACB, to work with paratransit, to try to get that amended so that everybody at some point can have the availability to use paratransit? Because this is really frustrating for many, many people. Yep. So this is an example of where the, where the ceiling, I'm sorry, where the floor became the ceiling. Um, mm. The ADA established a, a minimum requirement that service be provided on three quarters of a mile of either side of a bus route or around light rail stations. And that was the floor um, and it became the ceiling. Now it's, the, now it's, it, it's believed by transit to be the area that they're supposed to serve. Um, it is legal to serve beyond those areas, but this is a case where um, it, it probably, it doesn't, it's not legally required that we change the ADA, um, but it probably is the only way it's going to change because the, the industry as a whole understands that the law requires three quarters of a mile around bus routes and, and light rail stations. That has come up in a couple of sessions. So, um, I, th I think the answer is yes, ACB can certainly advocate for that. Um, it is a, I would say it is a reach. Um, but one of the advantages of having paratransit that costs less is that it reduces the pain of providing services where it's not technically mandated. Next question. Thank you. Wes, you are unmuted. Yes, like I heard you mention earlier about your concern about the uh, autonomous vehicles uh, probably affecting like the labor market, particularly the drivers that make a living driving them. And I'm kind of like, I think we need to take, to take a look at the elevator operators that used to work earlier in the previous century, because they're another group of workers that had lost their job due, due to the autom automating of their vehicles. So mm -hmm. I want to look back, what happened to all the elevator operators? But what became of them? There is a law, there is a chapter within drivers and the paratransit and taxi drivers. Yep. There is a transportation a law within the transportation bill called Section 5333, <laughs> um, which the number means nothing. Um, but, but basically what it is, is it is a, a protection built in for unionized workers. It's been in the law since at least 1976. Uh, and basically it is there to protect unionized workers from any action um, that a transit agency takes, which would cause the elimination of their job. And, you know, I'm not here to argue politics, but what I'm telling you is, is this is an interesting time in the industry because the labor, mar the labor force within transit is aging. Uh, the average age within the, uh, of the transit workforce is, is, I believe it's around 50. So um, one of the things that would be very interesting to start talking with the industry about is, maybe what should happen is we should start to look at models that replace existing drivers who retire um, with 
uh, services that are not necessarily provided by uh, by unionized employees who work for the transit agency. And again, I don't want to get into a political discussion, but this is a barrier to pro- to innovation because um, it is a built-in requirement that agencies can't automate um, if it causes the um, reduction. Well, I should clarify: they can't use federal funds to automate. Um, if it requires, if it causes the elimination of jobs. So uh, next what did question. the elevated companies do back then when that happened? They didn't have the legal protection, so they just fired well, them. operators that have these unions or legal protection like of uh, these. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not an expert on the elevator history, but. Ron, um, I, I, yep, we're going to need to move this forward. All yep. Right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Okay, Chris Coulter, you're unmuted and ready to go. Hello. Um, what is the difference, if any, uh, in regard to paratransit between same-day service and on-demand service? Um, so th- that's a good question. Um, same-day service is just, I mean, it literally means you just call on the same day. There's really no exact difference. Service on-demand, typically in the industry, there's no official definition. It usually refers to service that can be booked anywhere from about like I want to leave now, like pick me up, up to about two hours in advance would probably be more of what is thought of as on-demand service. Oh, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more? Yep. and our last caller for this one, uh, your phone number ends in 6591. <clears throat> um, yes, hi. So I'm calling from the uh, Colorado area. I spoke with you guys yesterday, actually from Denver. My hometown is Phoenix. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned with paratransit because – there's two things I noticed, obviously, everything we've talked about, you know, with, um, you know, not, not having a, being able to book everything on the same day. And I would love for it to be more like Lyft and Uber. But the other issue I noticed is that they don't call you when they arrive. And we're expected to be out there within six minutes. Mm-hmm. And for those of us that, you know, we, we can't see when the driver's there. And half the time, the geolocation, the geo map is off, and they go to the wrong place, and they do a no-show. Nobody calls me, nothing. And so it's just, it's so out of date. Accessoride? Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, they use a pretty old piece of technology, and I'm not too, too surprised. So uh, definitely, you know, new technology does create the opportunity for better technology. So, so and that's a perfect segue. What I'd like to do is jump into some questions and we're going to do something a little weird. Hang on a second here. Get ready. Ron, this is Sheila and I'm going to let you know that we're about at the halfway mark now if that's helpful. Yeah, that's perfect. Except I just like, there we go. I I thought I lost my file. Okay. Um, So I want to, I'm going to put out some questions and I'm going to ask people. So listen to these instructions Um, because it's a little different. Um, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to give you some scenarios as we think about if we were reinventing paratransit. I'm going to give you some either or statements. Would you like A or would you like B? And I'm going to say that, you know, I'm going to say if you like this one, raise your hand. So before each question, we'll clear all the hands. I'll have Tyson clear the hands so there are no hands raised. Um, And then we're going to ask you to basically raise your hand if you like it. And if you prefer the other thing, just leave your hand lowered and it's going to start to give us some, some ways of thinking about people's preferences. Because what I want to do is use this information as we think about how to design products that people like um, 
I want to use this information because there's really not very much data. Um, and someday we'll get a university to do it like a really scientifically, statistically valid survey. But just for now, as we think about ACB um, wanting to create an advocacy uh, platform, um, this will be really helpful for us as an organization to think about it. And it's certainly helpful to me as, as, as I'm working in the industry to think about products. So, so here we go. Let's try this out and see how it goes. Um, oh, so my first question actually is kind of an open question. So I'm going to, um, let's have about, and what I'd ask is let's have about five people. So five people, wait till you hear the question. But if you could just give a succinct answer, I'm not, you know, it, this is not a time for a question. This is a time for you to share your opinion um, and um, keep it succinct. And then we'll just go really, really quickly. So my first question is, um, one, when, when thinking about traditional paratransit, so that's kind of the service model that's in place today, um, what do you like and why? So traditional paratransit, what do you like and why? Let's take five and let's try to hold answers to about 30 seconds each. Three, five, that's it. No more, okay. please. Okay, so go for it. And if you could say your city, your name, and the city and state you're from, that'll help me because, believe it or not, I've been around long enough to actually know most of the cities and states and their paratransit systems. Okay. First one we have, Ray, go ahead. Uh, the, the fact they come to my – pick me up at the door and take me to the door I want to go to. So door-to-door service. Perfect. Yep, and, uh, and I'm from Chicago. Yep. Excellent. You knew Next. that, but <laughs> – I got gotcha. you. Okay, we have Andy. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, city and state, and then what do you like about the traditional paratransit? Okay, so this is Andy from Lynchburg, Virginia, and I like the paratransit system that we have right now in the sense that the drivers will actually help you from the vehicles to the main entrance of your destination or your origin Perfect. So driver assistance. Okay. Okay. Next. Okay. We have Regina. Okay. So Regina City Regina. and State. There we go. Regina, you something popped up. Okay. Now can you? Yep. Hello? We can hear you. Go. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So it's, just the ability to get to know your drivers so that you, you become friends. And I'm in Sacramento, California, so Perfect. that you might actually have a relationship with the drivers that take you places. Excellent. Your system just changed a whole bunch. So yeah. good luck with that. Next. Okay. If your phone number ends in 195. 5195? Five, five. Yep. That okay. This is Sue Ellen in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Ron. Hey, Sue Ellen. What I like is that it's cheap. You like the low fare. And, and yeah. you're TARC 3, and I'm guessing, what, about 3 bucks? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Okay, and then we have Sharon. One more. Hi. Yep. I'm Sharon Strakowski from Worcester, Mass. And uh -huh. I, I, too, like the relationships that I have with the driver and the safety that they try to impose for me because they care about me. 
Excellent. So it's driver, again, driver service, driver safety. Excellent. All right. Next question. And I know that there's a lot more. We're going to be doing transportation community calls. People are going to get the opportunity to talk more. I know we're going fast. So I appreciate your un in understanding. Um, all right. So next question is when thinking, oh, my phone keeps. So the next question is, and I'm going to have to figure out my form here. Next question is when thinking about traditional parent paratransit, so the current system that we have today, what are some things that you don't like and why? So same format, take about five things that you don't like and why. <laughs> we just had 14 people raise their hand at once. <laughs> okay. All right. So okay. We'll, we'll you. I need a minute to get my form refreshed. Thir 34 people. Okay. All right. Ooh. I was working the room. Was that an A or B question or was that? No, a? this is, nope, nope. This is just um, why people thinking about current paratransit, what do you not like and why? Okay. I got 35 people with raised hands. I'm, we're only taking the top five. So thank you. Okay. Diana, let's see. You should have something to open up and talk. Uh, yes. Uh, having to make presets and wait so doggone long for them to arrive. They may set your preset up to like an hour and 15 minutes before your time that you want to be there. Gotcha. So it's basically having to, to book ahead and then yes. having to wait because, you're, because it's a shared ride. Yes. Okay. And then you never know uh -huh. how long, like you said before, you never know whether they're going to drop off two other people or three other people or what. Right. Gotcha. Perfect. Thank okay. You. Next. Okay. And Bington? Um, yes, sir. I don't like the fact that we have a window of time within which they can pick us up. It's usually 40 minutes. I don't hear my, I don't have a doorbell that I can hear. So that means I stand outside and wait for them and it can be 40 minutes or it can be three minutes. And it yeah. could, you know, in the weather, it's not very convenient. They're supposed to get an app that lets us know when they're here, but that hasn't happened yet. Okay, so the pickup window is, is a challenge, okay? Okay, Claire, you're unmuted. Hi, Ron. Um, I don't like the length of time I have to sit on the bus sometimes. I took a trip recently that should have taken 45 minutes, and it took two hours. So let me ask you a question, Claire, just as a quick follow-up. Um, on, on that trip, if you knew predictably that your trip would take X, whether it's a 45 minutes or an hour, I mean, obviously, if it's two hours, that's too long. But if you knew that it was a longish trip and it was going to take a certain amount of time and it was consistently accurately that long, would that be less painful or are you really just tired of spending time on vehicles? That would be less painful because then at least I would be, you know, in the mindset of knowing it and I could plan for it accordingly. Bard, bard, bard. Yes. Right. Okay, next. Okay, thank you. And we have Nairal. You should have an mute prompt. I, you know, the waiting, the waiting uh, for a ride, you don't know when they're going to show up. And sometimes they never show up. And you got to call, and then you call the dispatch, and you're going to hold the driver. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I, I can. I can. And, and okay. where are you and, from? Cleveland, yep. Ohio. Perfect. You know, and, and, you know, they had a lift pilot, which I loved a lot. I wish they'd bring it back here because I, I loved it. But then they say that, 
oh, well, they couldn't take, you know, they, couldn't, they had to stop it because, you know, they couldn't accommodate wheelchairs. Gotcha. Yep, done. Right. Okay. And I think, what, one or two more? Last, Go ahead. Last we have uh, Annie. Hi, Ron. It's Ann Chapetta from New Rochelle, New York. Um, I, uh, I think the online reservation system that we have and the, the company that they contract with is horrible. And okay. it's caused a lot of problems um, with online reservations not being booked into the regular system and holidays and, you know, all of this, just the, the booking process is just so outdated. Yep. Yeah. Understood. Okay, so the booking process is just a pain. And, and let me ask you a question as a follow-up, Anne. Um, have you experienced booking technologies that work better, either in paratransit or elsewhere? Oh, uh, well, definitely. I mean, Lyft and Uber and, uh, you know, I mean, I have no idea if they'll ever get to mobile yep. technologies, you know. Okay, the way yep, on the paratransit. So you don't have yeah. mobile technology now on the paratransit? No. No, no, they just got to data tablets last year. Okay. Um, mobile data tablets, and uh, they kind of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the outdated GPS. Well, so. cheer up. Mo uh, Moses had tablets, so, you know, we're making progress. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> excellent. So I want to shift gears now. These are voting questions. And, and if we have time at the end, I will, we'll definitely, we'll take comments until we're done. Um, so um, I have some voting questions. So this is where Tyson's going to earn his uh, dinner here. Um, if you had to choose, so I'm thinking about like, if I was going to design paratransit from scratch, which is what we want to talk about, which of the following two things is more important to you? meaning you get to have one of these, but not both of these, which one would you rather have? I'm going to read two, and I'm going to ask that for the, if you like the first one more than the second, so listen to both, raise your hand. If you like the second one more than the first one, don't raise your hand. Tyler, what's our count right now? We have I mean, Tyson, I'm sorry. currently 168 people sitting in the audience. So 168 is our, that's our, our universe, so... Here's the two scenarios. First, if you prefer booking your trip ahead but going straight to your destination or being able to request a trip last minute but having to share your ride. So if you would prefer to have to book ahead but you'd go straight there, that would be the first scenario. The second scenario is if you could book your trip like right when you want to travel, but you might have to share your ride. Which would you prefer? So if you like the first one, raise your hand. If you like the second one, leave your hand down. Okay. And they're raising. Okay. We're just going to wait till that number stabilizes. We're at 70 so far. Okay. Okay. 78 so far. Okay, so 78 we're, stabilized. Okay, so we're it's close to half. Um, about half of you would pref you're you're okay booking ahead, um, based on the idea that you could go straight there. The other about half, slightly more than half, 
would prefer to be able to book your trip next, right away, even if you might have to share. Um, and that was asked that way on purpose because what that basically tells me is that being able to book when you want to travel is slightly more important than being able to book ahead. Um, so um, here's another voting question. Another one. So again, the first scenario, raise your hand. The second scenario, leave your hand down. If you had to choose which of the following is most important and why, and we'll do the whys separately. Um, so first is, is receiving a ride that might be shared on an agency or provider-owned vehicle that is driven by a driver who is wearing an agency or provider-issued uniform and badge. So the scenario here is that you're sharing your trip on an agency-owned vehicle with a driver who's wearing a uniform and a badge. The second scenario would receiving a direct ride in a vehicle which meets your needs but is not an agency or provider-owned vehicle and which is not being driven by a driver in a uniform. So this is more like Uber-type service. Um, so the vehicle is it, – it's we're assuming it meets your physical needs, but the driver is not necessarily wearing a uniform and a badge. They're not an agency employee. So if you prefer having an agency vehicle with, an with a driver, even if it means that you share your ride, raise your hand. If you prefer a straight ride, going straight there, um, even if it means riding in a vehicle that's not an agency vehicle with a driver who, who is not wearing a uniform, that would be leave your hand down. While Tyler is counting, this is Sheila, and I have to say as a panelist, I'm frustrated because I can't raise my hand. Oh, no. Okay, That's we okay. stabilized that at 28. 28 okay. is stable. It's 28. So basically 28 people would prefer to have, a, have an, even if it means sharing their ride, they prefer a, a vehicle that's agency-owned with a driver uh, wearing a uniform and a badge. The other 140 are fine as long as the vehicle meets their needs, even if it means that the driver is not wearing a uniform because they get to go straight there. Um, okay, now this question is a little different. So this question has six answers, okay? And what I'm gonna ask, so it's gonna take a minute, but what I wanna ask you to do is for each of these is um, identify let me just read this. Rate the importance of each of the following attributes. And, what, and it's pretty complicated. So I think what I'd like to do is, is if this is personally important to you, raise your hand and we'll get a count for each one. And I know this is going to take a minute. So um, I'm trying to think if there's a way. I don't think there is. So let's just do it and see how we do. Um, so the first one, if this is really important to you, raise your hand, it is. Being able to request a trip closer to the time you actually need to travel. So if, if booking your trip really close to the time you need to travel is really important to you, raise your hand. Okay, and this number's going up pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So, and again, what we're going to be doing with this information is we are sitting down and taking notes, and we're going to be coming up with a, an ordered list that says this is the most important thing to our members. This is the second most important thing. So that we, when we sit down, we can actually say, you know, this, 
this is the thing we should really work the hardest to try to accomplish because the most you know people really really wanted this okay it looks like we're at 83 raised hands okay all right so b um this is uh, the second thing so if this is really important to you raise your hand if it's not don't worry um, being able to accurately predict the amount of time on a vehicle, even if the trip is shared. I'm listening to this number, but it's like watching the, uh, the telethon. <laughs> Need the thing going on, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's still climbing. All right, and we're at 78. So pretty close to the same number. All right, C. This is, if this is important to you, um, share. Um, being able to ride alone, no trip sharing. So you get to take your attendant. Hold on, your hold on a second. I haven't gotten the hands lowered yet. Oh, sorry. Okay. So we're going to lower our hands. Let me start over. So this is you going straight there, Pe not People are lowering their own hand. Pe okay, can I request to the audience, do not lower your own hand. Allow me to do that, please, because it's throwing my cursor all over the place, and I can't find yeah. the, the button. Gotcha. Yep, yep. I'm going to lower everybody's hand, and we'll start this again, because people are going up and down. Gotcha. Okay, so, yep. So just hold okay, up. Hold so up. hands have been lowered. Okay, so again, straight there. No, you're not sharing your ride. You're going straight there with uh, the people that you're that you're traveling with. If that's important, you raise your hand. Okay. I think I know where this is going, but we're going to wait and see. Yeah, I think you're probably. <laughs> so, can they vote for more than one option? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, these are independent variables. I hope you can. Make out my notes here. I'll clean them up before I send them to you. I won't spend a lot of time doing it so you have them. Yep, I gotcha. Yeah, I'm sure we can make, make this work. Well, these are actually not hard to take notes on. Yep, yep. Okay, we're at 62 raised hands. I'm surprised that it's that low. I thought it might go higher, but anyway, okay. I'm good. So, Please do okay. not lower your own hand. I'll take care of yep. that. And we got two more of these, and then uh, we'll get into some other discussion here. All right. Okay. So Thank the you. next one, being able to make a short stop of about five minutes or less along the way. Climbing. Looks like we got 76. Okay. Oh, 77. Last minute straggler. Okay, right. please again, do not lower your own hand. Thank you. All right, two more. Um, receiving a trip 
in a vehicle that has agency branding and an employee driver. This could also be a, a contracted employee, but agency vehicle with an agent, you know, with an agency logo and an employee driver. Okay, it looks like 39 was our count. Okay, and then last but not least, and then I'm going to start asking some questions about some of these. Um, being able to use a mobile app or website. And uh, unlike Ann's system, we'll assume that the mobile app works. Yeah, I remember that one in Westchester County. It wasn't pretty. It's funny. She was talking about New Rochelle, and I'm like, I have no idea where that is, but I think that um, Rob and Laura lived there. And that was all yes, I could Yes, they think. did. Yes, they <laughs> did. 94. 94. So that's a pretty high number. So, okay, excellent. Um, I want to ask one more question, and, and, and I'm super sorry for doing this, but we can continue on with conversation. Well, no, we can't. I'm going to save that question. I am going to um, suggest that, that ACB, and maybe we'll do this like soon, we really, I would love to get a survey of smartphone, who has a smartphone, because um, we really need data. The industry doesn't have good data. We have a lot of kind of speculation, um, and I think it's all based on non-disabled people and what they believe we are able to do as blind people, and I don't trust any of that data. So. For those, I want to go back and ask some why questions. And here, I'm just checking my time. All right, so we don't have. We just uh, have a little more than 15 minutes. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm just going to ask, since we only have 15 minutes, I'm not going to do that. So what I want to do, though, is ask people, because we had a lot of people who wanted to speak. And what I'd like to do is for the remaining time is invite a couple of folks. We'll take five unless we run out of time um, to talk about if you could have the perfect paratransit system in your city, what would it look like? Um, and just, you know, again, try to be super succinct so that more people can talk and uh, go. Okay. You had five, you had five people up before you even finished the, before you started the question. Yeah. Hopefully they knew what the question was. All right. So go for it. Okay. Let's let the hand stabilize. And we'll just go until three minutes before close. That will give us time to close out and for us uh, for um, you to get the code. So we'll go until we run out of time. Okay. Okay. If you start, if you're a two zero five area code, you are unmuted. Yes, this is Penny, and I would like to see uh, when I lived in Lubbock, Texas, a long time ago. They had an experiment where they actually used cars to transport people that did not need to have the wheelchair lift or, um, you know, and they found like it was cheaper and they could do more trips. So what I would like to see is a paratransit that would allow people that do not need the wheelchair equipped buses to use cars mm -hmm. 
and mm-hmm. I'd like for it to be a demand service where you could ask a t- trip and you could know when they're going to get there and you could count on their service. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you so much. Next. Okay, area code 801. Utah. Let's see. Hey. Okay, there you are. Sorry. Oh, okay. Repeat My name question. is Ray. I'm from uh, Salt Lake City area. And mm-hmm. I'd like to see a, a paratransit service where you can go beyond the fixed route uh, or the beyond the three-quarter mile of a fixed route because here, when they put in the light rail service, they got rid of a lot of buses, which made you go beyond the three-quarter mile limit. And now you can't get service, even though there's all these little, I call them donut holes. Well, they'll go on either side. So if they could just do the whole county or whatever, it would be great. And also um, uh, the door-to-door curb-to-curb included with the same-day thing would be the ultimate. Thank you. Excellent. I just want a quick comment on the donut holes. The ADA requires transit agencies to serve areas that are surrounded by areas with coverage. Um, it doesn't define those how big the donut hole has to be before it's not covered. But if you live in a small area, again, not defined by federal law, but small, that is surrounded by areas that do have coverage, your agency is required to serve you. Um, I said it a couple of days ago, and I will say it again. Um, the best way to enforce federal law is to if it happens once is to let the agency know if it happens multiple times is to let the federal transit administration know salt lake city utah transit authority um, i love those people i know them they care about their service but they have a reputation of being extraordinarily strict um, and doing exactly what the law requires so yes i I sat down with benson the ceo and he said that because it says surrounded Yep. I'm surrounded on three sides, but not the fourth side, so they couldn't do it. Yep, yep. So, anyway, next. I, I, okay, I, area code 205. Um, I already spoke, and yep. um, so I, I will yield to another person. Thank you. Okay, Annie Davis, you are unmuted or have a prompt to unmute. Okay, is that better? Can you hear me? Yep, we can. Okay, very good. Ron, you know, when you first asked the, the question, it was like, it depends. Because I know for me, a perfect paratransit would be you could select the, the exact time that you want to be picked up, the time that you want to be there. Um, you could do same day. Um, Reservations could be made same day, and you know they would be able to accommodate last-minute changes. Every service would be door-to-door, regardless of the weather. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. Same day, door-to-door, flexibility. Yes. Excellent. Okay, and we have another area code eight hundred one. You're unmuted. I believe that was uh, me again. So that I'll yield you. to the next okay. person. Okay. All right. Thank you. Ray, you have a prompt to unmute. 
Well, I've just had a few years to think about this question, as Ron knows. Um, so the perfect paratransit, from, from if I could design it, would be, first, it would have online and mobile accessible booking available so that you could book your trips. And they would go into the system. Second of all, it would be on time. Uh, that you would uh, you, you you would know that you you could count on getting to the place on time, and then the third thing I would say is that the fare would be would be reasonable, like the three dollars that we or three three and a quarter that we have in our area. That it would be something like that. Thank you, Ray. And your your agency, the RTA and Pace, are about to uh, embark on a study to look at different models. You, we should talk. So, um, actually, and I'm on the uh, I'm on the okay. ADA committee, so I'm sure yeah. I'll be involved with that. So uh, let's we'll chat. You so. betcha. betcha. All right. Next. It, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Five one zero area code. Hi, uh, Steve Mendelson here. Uh, rather than focusing on the operational details, I'd like to take a step back and suggest that for me, the idea of paratransit system would be one which adhered to certain premises, which recognize, for example, that inability to drive a private car is a disability in this country. We need to recognize transportation disabilities, and we need to think about creating the kinds of coalition that will respond to the needs for mobility of all those who don't drive, including us, because I think that if we are insulated or treated separately as people with disabilities, we have rather a chance of ever getting a system that works for us, but in collaboration with all the other people who, for all the other reasons, don't drive or can't drive or choose not to drive, we might have a political chance. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay, we still have time, so. Okay, Donna, you said to unmute. Okay, I'm Donna. I'm Donna from Alexandria, Virginia. Um, I would say same day service. Um, I would say to be able to stop if I needed to. And um, the one, um, a, a lot of the other ones that were suggested were great too, but one I would say is to be sure that there's really good customer service backing up the service because there's some people, because I know I do it every day, some people really need that customer service more than others and it needs to be in place. Yep, granted. Thank you. Okay, we have Bob Cavanaugh, I believe. Yes, so I am in uh, Snohomish County, uh, Edmonds, Washington, just north of Seattle. And mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that has not been mentioned that I will go ahead and mention is, uh, well, two things regarding cab companies. If, you know, either cab or other car services that may or may not be in the future, is that if the agency is going to send you a cab, allow the client to schedule that because I've had issues when I'm going into King right. County, because Snohomish County does not uh, does not contract with cab companies, but King County does. But I'm so close to the line that they can pick me up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I'm going into King County, they'll send me a cab, but it's, it'll be at the same time that they would if you're if you're getting a bus. So you might get to yep. your destination two hours early. Yep. 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 Um, Understood. So yes, that would be the big thing, and and. Yeah, if uh, and yeah, basically, um, if if a client you know is okay with that, allow them to schedule that, and then whether that be Uber or a cab. Perfect. And then the other thing, the other thing that I'll add to is regional coordination, because like I said, Snohomish County doesn't use that. So if if King County decided that oh we're gonna allow our customers to use Uber, 
I want that freedom in Snohomish County too. So mm-hmm. that needs to be coordinated. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And we have area code 503. Ah, Portland. Okay. This is- mm-hmm. Everybody. Um, I would like to um, see a combination of what I, we have a pretty good service here in Portland, but it's kind of been lately before Corona. But we do have a mobile, we have an app now where we get notified when our, our ride is about to be due and we can do manipulate our preferences by using it. Um, and But I want to be able to change my time. I'm a therapist and people cancel on me and I find myself <clears throat> with hours in my day that I can't go home unless I figure out another way. So I mm. want to be able to um, request a change of ride same day. And so when I was in Palo Alto a few years ago, San Jose County had um, that option where you mm. could have same day transportation but you might pay a little more. So I'd like to see a combination like that. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. How many more do you want to go? We got about three left. Yeah. So let's just take, uh, let's take two more and then stop. Two more. Okay. Ted, you're, you should have a prompt on mute. Yes. Thank you. And hello, Ron. I, hey, I actually know Ron quite well. We both live in Phoenix. Um, I agree with the first three, three most by and large with the first three callers. Um, first three respondents. Uh, I think this was an excellent, um, excellent um, um, meeting. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Okay, and last we have Steve Bauer. Ron, thank you. It's an awesome presentation. I live in the jurisdiction of Los Angeles, and we have it better than many. Uh, what I would like to see added to your ideal system is accountability and ease of making those accountability issues. I had a situation where I was getting late rides four out of five days out of the week, and to document that was, you know, uh, a horrible process. And when I finally got through to somebody after literally, you know, many, many months, uh, I got some results. But just the, you know, going through that process was uh, very burdensome. Yep. So accountability, just data, just available see your own data yeah not not so much data of the system but you know here you guys are for some reason screwing things up really badly for me on this mm-hmm. trip and so to solve this problem gotcha thank you so i want to just wrap it up and then i'll hand it back to sheila and um tyson for the uh, codes but i want to thank all of you this is super helpful we are tomorrow we are going to get together at uh, three o'clock um eastern and and i'm we've got all this data from here today and from the other workshops, and we're going to be assembling that and coming to you with a list of this is what transportation should look like. So thank you very, very much. I want to turn it back over to Sheila to uh, take us home. Sheila? Uh, Tyson, why don't you give us the code for those who need the CEU number? Okay. All right. So the final closing code for those of you who signed up for CEUs or FLEX, that's going to be 3D like Delta. I'm sorry. Start back over. 2D, like Delta, 358. Repeat that. That's 3D, like Delta. I'm sorry. Oh, did it again. I'm thinking three-dimensional. <laughs> 2D, two-dimensional, 358. And thank you for being a great Zoom operator, Tyson. Boy, I'll tell you. 
Thank all of you for, you know, he did, he did double duty today and he did a great job. Thank everyone for all their wonderful participation. Um, I just want to take a second since I didn't get to raise my hand to say Kansas City has it pretty good too. We have a, a cab company um, addition to our paratransit. We have a mobile app that works. We pay, as some people said that they wanted, a little more for the same day service and for more miles, but it's still a better deal than a cab unless you go as far as the airport. Um, I want to admit to everyone that I won't take paratransit. It makes me so furious, but I will use that curb cab service along with buses and Uber and Lyft. And Ron, you were a phenomenal presenter. You had a great organized um, presentation, you know, aimed at gaining hopefully information that combined with our other three presentations from earlier is going to send us on our way tomorrow. So until then, everyone have a great evening. Thank you so much for coming to um, some of the sessions of our transportation forum to mobility and beyond.